Please turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. If your pew Bibles is the same as mine, it's on page 1071. Uh, The Gospel of John, chapter 15. I'll begin reading at verse 9 till verse 15. John 15, starting at verse 9. We have here recorded... Uh, the words of Jesus as he speaks to his disciples. And he says to them, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. And then uh, just uh, ask you to turn back in the Old Testament to the book of Proverbs chapter 18, and I just want to read one verse, in verse 24, which is verse 24, and we'll be focusing on the second part of uh, verse 24. Proverbs 18, verse 24 where we, we read, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that's what we'll be focusing on this morning. Congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, friends, we've all had them. Uh, when we think about the friends that we've had in life, sometimes there are fond memories, sometimes we, uh, we get a bit of a, a sour taste in our mouth when we think of, of some of the experiences that we had with people who we maybe considered friends and then turned out not to be. Uh, but uh, and yet, it's, it's something that we, we seek to cultivate, and we, we, we sometimes do it automatically without thinking. We seem to gravitate to certain people, and we develop friendships. Well, this morning in our text, we're reminded of the greatest friendship that we can possibly have in this life, and that is with Jesus who is God himself. We're reminded in Proverbs 18, verse 24, that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And and by the way, the the Hebrew word translated friend is actually derived from the verb to love. And I mention that simply to to remind us that the word friend, which is something that we throw out, you know, maybe we meet somebody for the first time and then the next time we talk about them, we say, oh yeah, that's my friend. Uh, It's not the kind of word that we ought to really just throw out when we're talking about just anybody. A friend, really, uh, if we go back to the root of it, is really someone whom we dearly love, who we care deeply for, who is, how should we say it, who is willing to put up with us and who we are willing to put up with. In this life, we will have, uh, let's be clear, many acquaintances, but very few real friends, very real friends who um, ride the trail with us, who stand by us when others walk away. Most of the friends 
Let's be honest. That most of the friends that we have, that we call, and we, have, we said we have so many friends on, on Facebook and, and, and Instagram and Snapchat and all these things, they aren't really friends, are they? Let's be honest. The kind of friend described here is the kind who goes the extra mile for you, who is always looking out for your well-being. He or she is, is compared here actually to a brother. And, and we know that brothers are bonded to us by the simple fact that we, we shared a womb or we grew up in the same house together. And, and brothers we know can, for the little sisters here, we know brothers can be pests and they can find ways to irritate us. They take pleasure sometimes in torturing and tormenting us. Uh, but when the chips are down, here's the thing about brothers, our, our, our siblings who we share a womb with. Um, when the chips are down, we can usually count on our brother to be there for us. They will defend us. They will never stand by and, and see you taken advantage of. They will try to extend a hand to lift you up, to help you out. They rejoice in your joy, and they too will be saddened by your sadness. And so brothers can be great friends. But as strong as the loyalty and the love of a brother, a biological brother that is, as strong as uh, that loyalty is, sometimes we know in life, and maybe you've had this experience in your own family, there can be circumstances that cause uh, siblings to distance themselves from each other. So there could be distance even between siblings. Uh, we might happen to do something that, to alienate them. We might have hurt their feelings. Or it's possible uh, to do something so bad that they separate themselves from us. It's rare, but it's possible. Uh, you see it even in the Bible with Joseph and his brothers, right? He, he, he tells them about these dreams, and his father favors him, and his brothers pull away from him. They really don't want much to do with him, and the first opportunity they have to get rid of him, they take it. Or think of the rivalry between Jacob and Esau, even from their very birth. The very siblings of Jesus himself, our Lord, was not supportive of him at first. But the inspired author of Proverbs here tells us of a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And the rest of the Bible, and we heard that in uh, John 15 as well too, tells us and teaches us uh, in many ways that this friend that sticks closer than a brother is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And this morning we want to be reminded of the unique and unchanging friendship of Jesus for us. What a blessing that is. And, and what it means for us, the implications in our daily lives. And so our theme as we look at uh, Proverbs 18, verse 24b, is this. We friends of Jesus confess the strength and reliability of that friendship. We friends of Jesus confess the strength and reliability of that friendship. And we'll see two points in the first place, that Jesus loves us unconditionally. And in the second place, he loves us faithfully. But as we, friends of Jesus, confess the strength and reliability of his friendship, we see in the first place that Jesus loves us unconditionally. In other words, Jesus does not put any requirements, he doesn't uh, put any conditions on his friendship with us. And again, if we think of normal human relationships, it's usually based on certain things, right? Maybe we share the same interests, we come from a uh, similar background, there are some people we, we won't make much of an effort to be friends with them because uh, yeah, they speak a different language or they uh, come from a different uh, you know, culture from us, things like that. Uh, but usually our, our friendships are based on certain things. We run in the same circles, we're the same age, uh, we share the same hobby, whatever it may be. Or, or, or um, you can have friends like the prodigal son 
uh, who flocked to him because he had money to spend on them. And of course, you know that when that money was gone, so were these friends. Sometimes we call someone friend because it's to our mutual benefit. We do business together, or they have something you need and you have something they need. As we say, uh, one hand washes the other. But the friendship of Jesus is so much different, so much higher, and so much greater than the friendships that we develop as human beings. It's unconditional. We don't have to meet certain standards. He doesn't require that we are in a certain class of people, or we are a certain race, or speak a certain language, or that we have a certain educational level. It's not a matter of how we dress, or how we look, how outgoing we are, or how secure we feel about ourselves. Jesus takes us to be his friends as we are. In fact, Romans 5, verses 6 to 8, as we heard, tells us that Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. He didn't, Jesus didn't wait for us to, a certain, uh, to attain a, a certain measure of holiness and righteousness. He didn't wait for us to accept his invitation. In fact, Isaiah 53, verse 3, tells us that Jesus was actually despised and rejected by men. And so the truth be told, and we see this over and over in the Bible, truth be told, left to ourselves, if, if God did not regenerate our hearts, fallen man has no use for Jesus. Now, if he was like, and, and this is what some people find attractive when you try to talk to them about, uh, um, about uh, coming to church or reading the Bible, um, or, or, or you know, when they, they fall prey to some of the, um, the misinterpretations and the heresies that uh, are thrown around today, if you um, tell a person, well, if you believe in Jesus, you know, he's going to rain cash on you, He's going to give you good health. He's going to heal you. He's going to put you in a sweet ride. He's going to make you more cool. Then, you know, that people might find that a little more appealing until they get bored um, with and, and want other things. But Jesus doesn't promise that, does he? He promises salvation. And that's not all that appealing to unregenerate sinners. And yet, in spite of the fact that we ourselves do not find, like unregenerate, we do not find Jesus all that attractive. Jesus takes us to be his own anyway. He doesn't make us earn his friendship. He, he didn't sit back and say to us, well, you want to walk with me? Then wow me. Impress me. Show me why I should let you into my kingdom. Uh, during his three years of ministry, uh, as a matter of fact, who did Jesus mingle with? Right? Not the, the rich and the famous. Not who saw themselves as righteous. Uh, he's, he's mixed and mingled with simple, common men. One of them a tax collector, many of them fishermen. His heart went out to lepers, immoral women, widows, all who were at the bottom of the social ladder in that time and culture. Jesus was not impressed by those who thought themselves as righteous. He ate with the despised. In fact, they called him, you remember, in Matthew 11, verse 19, they called him a friend of sinners. He says to his disciples in John 15, as we heard, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And the criteria for that choosing is the same for us as it was for them. His grace and mercy. It's never about us earning God's friendship, which would be an insurmountable problem for us anyway, right? Because which of us could say that we can be good enough 
if we really understand the God of the Bible? Which of us would, would, would uh, be able to say that we, I think I can be good enough. I can attain to that kind of holiness. I can show that kind of dedication that, God, that a holy God requires. I can show such unwavering loyalty that it will be no surprise that God is friends with me. Would we say it's, uh, well, because of my lineage or my cultural background, our efforts, our net worth? Well, certainly no true Christian would say or even think such a thing. And you know, it's good to be reminded of this because we all have that sinful tendency in us to begin, and sometimes without realizing it, it can be very subtle, but we begin to find our assurance in the fact that I'm doing all the right things, right? We begin to find our assurance in the fact that I'm doing all the right things. I go to the right church. I sing from the right hymnal. We read from the right Bible. I give to the offering causes. I, I, I toe the line. I do what the church requires me to do. And these are good things. These are all necessary things. Don't get me wrong. But what we constantly have to be reminded of is that salvation is not by, by habits, but by grace alone through Christ alone. Every one of us must confess with David in 2 Samuel 7, uh, verse 18, Who am I, Lord? And what is my house that you have brought me thus far? Every truly converted child of God is, is really amazed at his friendship. And he says with David in Psalm 8, verse 4, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? See, when we understand that we have become the beloved of God, we're really left with only one uh, option, and that's to put our hands over our mouths and stand amazed and surprised. In, in fact, whatever conditions there, there was for us to become friends with Jesus were met by Jesus himself. Right? To have friendship with, with a holy God, to have peace restored between him and us, uh, would require a, a work that we could not do on our own. The Bible speaks of us being alienated, estranged from God. And what brought that estrangement? What brought that separation from God? Our sin. Our parents, Adam and Eve, sinned in the Garden of Eden, and we come into this world bearing the guilt of that original sin. And then there's our actual sins, the sins we commit every day in thought, word, and deed. We break all of God's commandments. We do not love Him with heart, soul, mind, and strength. We do not love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And the consequences of that sinning against our God, of, of that disobedience, is we know. What's the wages of sin? Death, right? Physical and eternal death. And so the, the conditions, if we could speak that way, for us to be reconciled to God would have meant eternal punishment for us. But Jesus, our friend, who sticks closer than a brother, suffered all of these conditions and consequences for us. He laid down his life for his friends, as we heard in John. He met the conditions whereby peace could be restored between us and God. He bore our sins on the cross. He took our punishment upon himself. He died our death. And then he rose again to show that he had conquered sin and death for us. And he did this, and this is the amazing thing. As we heard in Romans 5, he did this while we still hated him. 
while we were quite content to live for ourselves, when we would never have made a single step, we would not have uttered a sigh in His direction. His friendship and love is unconditional. And, and beloved of God, let us be careful then that we don't hesitate from embracing Jesus, cleaving to Jesus for the wrong reason. Let us, not, let us be careful that we don't, we're not denying ourselves the joy of belonging to Jesus because we still think we're not worthy. Maybe you're here this morning and you've thought to yourself, you know, I could, I could never be a Christian. You know, regardless of what the church says and what the Bible says, uh, I could never really be a Christian. I can't be a friend of God. You, do you guys really know me? Uh, I, I'm not good enough. There's so much wrong that I've done in my life that God, if God is in the business of forgiveness, there's no way He could forgive me, a sinner like me. You don't know what I'm capable of. Let the Word of God speak to your heart this morning and remind you that that is not true at all. It's absolutely false. The Bible teaches us that Jesus came to give His life for, not the righteous, but sinners like you and me. He came to lay down his life for his friends, even if we don't see him that way at this point. And so this morning, don't hesitate. Don't keep yourself from the Lord for the wrong reasons. Accept his hand of friendship, because in him you will find a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And you know, in, in the world, and uh, I know this from personal experience having come into the church late in life, but in the world there is this false idea that people have. The world on the outside, they look at us as they drive by the church building, and they see all the cars in the parking lot, they, they think to themselves, hey, I could never go there. That church is, is for the good people. It's for all the good people, right? That's where, that's where they gather. And, and that's something we need to correct them as well in our conversations, in our communities. And we, we need to tell them, we need to correct that thinking that, hey, you know why we go to church every Sunday? You know why we are faithfully attending worship every Sunday? Not because we think we're good, because, but because we know we're so bad, right? And, and uh, we come to worship because it is just a tiny way of saying to Jesus, thank you, dear friend. Thank you for loving a wretched sinner like me, for giving to me what I certainly have not and could not have earned. And, and so we can invite this person and say, look, you can join us because the only condition to being a friend of Jesus is accepting that his love it has no conditions. But as we friends of Jesus confess the strength and reliability of his friendship, we see in the second place that Jesus loves us faithfully. And by this we mean that Jesus will never waver in his friendship with us. In fact, the word translated sticks is the same word that we hear in Genesis 2, verse 24, where we read, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to or stick to or cleave to his wife. Same word. Or we hear it in Ruth 1, verse 14, of Ruth clinging to her mother-in-law. She latched on to her, and she would not let her go. And perhaps the best example for us is in uh, 2 Samuel 20, verse 2, where we read that the men of Judah... They followed steadfastly after David. Same word in the Hebrew. That is, they stuck by him, they stuck with him when all the other tribes had turned away from him. That's the kind of friend we have in Jesus. He will never 
leave us nor forsake us. He will always stand by us. His love for us far exceeds even the love of a brother with whom we shared our mother's womb. It doesn't take us long in this life to realize that trusting absolutely in people will bring us disappointment at some times, some moments. We have let others down, and others have let us down. We dropped the ball when people were depending on us, and we've had the same thing done to us. Friends we thought would have our backs, as we say, scattered in our time of need. We've had moments when we maybe have said to somebody, maybe with tears in our eyes, I thought you were my friend, and you did this, or you said that, right? Even Jesus experienced this. These same disciples that he speaks to in John, 1, in John 15, whom he calls his friends, we know that he, they would leave him in his most trying hour. Matthew records in his gospel, chapter 26, verse 56, that when Jesus was arrested, all the disciples forsook him and fled. And we know about Peter, right? One of his inner circle, one of his closest confidants, right? Peter denied even knowing Jesus to save his own skin. Well, I don't know about you, but if I stick my neck out to help somebody, I'm thinking that they should be standing there with me and at least give me moral support or something. I remember when I was a boy in school, and there was a boy who would bully me, a bigger boy, and I went to my brother and I said, well, can you come talk to this boy for me? And, oh, we know what talk in school means, of course, right? And, um, and uh, my, my brother came, and he was all prepared to take care of this situation. For my little brother, nobody does that to my little brother, right? But when he got there, turns out the, the, the bigger boy was quite big, <laughs> bigger than my, even my bigger brother. And uh, my brother said that he turned at one point, and all he could see was my back and the soles of my shoes running away. <laughs> And uh, he said to me, well, at the very least, you could have stayed with me, and if you put me in a headlock, you could have bit him or something, but you just ran away. You left me there flapping in the wind, right? Uh, we don't like that when people do that to us. And yet Jesus, our Savior, found himself in this situation alone in his darkest moments, and yet he remained loyal to us, his friends. When they bound him and they led him off, to stand before the religious leaders, he let them do it. When he could have called upon his father and received the help of legions of angels, when they struck him with rods on his head and they spat in his face and they slapped him, he did not call it quits. He didn't quit on us. When they whipped him with a whip that historians tell us tears the flesh, off your back, straight down to the bone. When they put a coarse robe on his lacerated back, when they pressed a crown of thorns into his flesh, when pagan soldiers bowed before him and mocked him, Hail, King of the Jews! He held to his mission to save us. He stuck to us, closer than a brother. When an earthly judge passed sentence on the king of all creation, he did not raise an objection. He stayed silent. When they laid upon his back the cross upon which he would be crucified and made him carry it to the place of execution, and when they hammered nails into his hands and feet 
And they gambled for his clothes right before his eyes. And thieves crucified with him, mocked him. And people passed by, people he came to save, they passed by. And they shook their heads at him in derision. Jesus amazingly never said, stop, that's it, that's enough. I can't take it anymore, and these people who I'm doing this for, they don't even care. And he suffered hellish anguish on the cross, bearing the sins of the whole world. For that moment in time, the most accursed, wretched creature that there ever was, And all through it, Jesus never turned his back on us. And he went all the way to to death until he could say finally, it is finished. And he gave up his spirit for sinners like you and me. And beloved, that's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And, And congregation, what we want to remember this morning is that if Jesus suffered all of that for us and did not cut us loose, why would we ever think that he could be disloyal to us at any point? Now, we have, we have those moments, don't we, when we think, oh, God is not with me. He's not hearing my prayers. He, he seems to, to be busy doing other things. Jesus has called us his friends, and he's very serious about that. He will never abandon us. If we have believed in Him, never ought we to think that we could ever be considered by God as His enemies ever again. It's just not possible. Jesus does not break promises. He doesn't take back what He gives. He loves us faithfully. And so, remember this. In those times when, and we all have them as Christians, if we're honest, sincere Christians, remember this in those times when we've done or said, or thought awful things, horrible things. We're ashamed of what we've done when we're afraid that we've finally done it. I did so much that I finally put myself permanently out of favor with God. In those times, think again. Remember this passage We heard in John 15, Jesus say to us, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Think about it. Why would Jesus say that if it were possible for him to ever stop loving us? Jesus loves us with the same love that the Father loves him. That's an unflinching, unceasing, unfailing, unswerving love. And it is with this same consistent love that Jesus loves us. And so we may always abide in Him. We may stay close to Him, remain in Him, draw our strength from Him, live in Him. So think about this. Maybe this morning you're facing some kind of hostility in your life, some serious challenge, some kind of obstruction. As a believer, count on Jesus to be by your side. Count on Jesus to lead and uh, comfort and to guide. Count on the fact that your, love, uh, that your Lord Jesus will never abandon you. He will never leave you in your loneliness. He, was ne- he will, he will, he will uh, never let you fight your battles on your own. 
Instead, the one who has called us his friends will always be near to encourage you, to lift you up, and to help you in your time of need. How many Christians can attest to the truth of Isaiah 43, verse 2? God makes this promise to us, and Jesus fulfills it every day in our lives. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So when we are in a relationship with Jesus, He will always be with us. He will be walking beside us, surrounding us with His love. We will always uh, experience a sense of His comfort in our day-to-day lives. We will know that He is walking alongside of us. Ask any Christian who has backslidden for a time, and they will affirm this. They will say, yeah, Jesus sticks closer than a brother. And and if this describes you this morning, maybe uh, you're uh, having a trial of faith or whatever. Remember this. Jesus is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. And that if you repent and you return, you will always find forgiving arms waiting to welcome you home. And congregation, cherish your friendships, but know that Jesus is the truest, most reliable friend that we can ever have. He's our trusted companion through the trials of life. We can go to Him always about anything and find understanding and patience. He will never get tired of us. He will never be ashamed of us. He will never stop loving us. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a glorious confession that we have a friend in Jesus who is ever faithful, ever loving, who will always be walking beside us, and who even in those moments when we think he is not near, he definitely is. Father, we pray that all through our lives and all the difficulties that we face as, as a church, as the church united on this earth, as individuals, as families, whatever we may face in terms of challenges and obstacles and hindrances, may we know that we belong, body and soul and life and in death, to our faithful Savior and friend, Jesus Christ. And Lord, Speak to the hearts of any here who may not have this relationship of friendship with Jesus this morning. Draw them nearer and fill us all with the joy of that friendship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.